Welcome to Life School Series 2, Bumps and Babies. As I record this today, I am currently 23 weeks and 4 days pregnant with my first baby, which I'm so excited to share, I now know is a little girl. I'm still in the process of recording this series, and my plan was to start releasing episodes once I'd finished recording with all my wonderful guests. However, in light of the current global situation with coronavirus, recording for now is on hold. So I've decided to share with you the episodes I've recorded so far over the past couple of months. I know many of us are currently self-isolating at home with lots of time on our hands, so what better time to listen to your favourite podcasts or perhaps discover some new ones? As a first-time mum, pregnancy, birth and babies is a whole new world for me and I personally want to educate myself as much as I can before my little one arrives. From positive birth stories, information on hypnobirthing, water births, c-sections, baby massage and more, I hope throughout this series I can shed some light on just some of the areas you may be worried about or even just intrigued about. Thank you to all the incredible birth workers and women who have made this series possible so far and thank you so much for listening. My guest for this episode is Candice Ford, a certified professional nutritional health coach and former competitive CrossFit athlete. Candice and her family recently moved from Dubai to Thailand, but I was lucky enough to sit down with her pre-lockdown while she was back in Dubai for a visit. Candice is definitely what I'd call a straightforward positive birth advocate, and I absolutely loved hearing her raw, honest, and beautiful accounts of the birth of her two children. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the awesome Candice. Happy listening. Candice, welcome to Life School. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with That's me today. Wonderful. I know you've just flown in. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for making <laughs> no, time thank you for, for, having me. for us. Um, so I wanted to start by talking about your pregnancies and births. Mm-hmm. So you have two little ones. Yes. So how did your two pregnancies compare? And can you talk me through both those what I imagine to be very individual experiences. Yes. It's interesting actually, because both of my pregnancies were relatively similar. My energy in my pregnancies was very different. Um, So in my body, it was very normal. And it's funny, especially in Dubai, in a city where we are trained to be exceptional or different or stand out, you come to something like pregnancy and it's like, you want to be distinctly normal. The more normal, the more middle of the road, the more conventional you are, the better it is for everybody. (laughs) Um, So when I fell pregnant with Rafe, I was six months post my last big competition. um, And I stayed relatively fit. So I was still training regularly, extremely fit, extremely lean, well muscled. um, So my body was in a different place ultimately to when I fell pregnant with Evie. Um, And we'd been, I'd been tracking kind of my period and my cycle for years, so I knew exactly, this is the green week, this is when everything Mm. will happen. Um, And we were extremely lucky, we fell pregnant the first month that we tried. Um, And I knew, I knew at about four and a half weeks when my period should have been coming, I was getting all of these period symptoms. I was like, this is period symptoms, but they're not my period symptoms, so what's going on? Um, So yeah, we found out at five and a half weeks our six-week scan, the confirmation scan, mm-hmm. we already had a heartbeat, and then we were kind of on on the road. That was it. You know, we're on this path now. No getting off the roller coaster, and a little bit of nausea in the first three months, and then just yeah, we just continued to rock and roll. Worked full time. I got very big very quickly. I don't have very big hips. Did you? Mm, very quickly. Did that um, surprise you? 
No, because I have really narrow hips and that pop when you start to show is kind of when your uterus pops up outside your pelvis. And so I, it made sense that I wouldn't go for very long without people yeah. noticing. But I remember at about nine and a half weeks having to pull the team together and tell them that I was pregnant. Because like, if I don't do it now, they're either going to think I've just given up on life and I'm getting fat. Because I was walking around looking like I'd had three back-to-back Christmas dinners. Um, but more than that, my energy was terrible. So I just wasn't showing up. I, I could physically yeah. be there and not be mentally showing up or I just wasn't coming in at all. And I was like, I owe it to them to know that. Yeah, so they don't start speculating that anything exactly. else is wrong. Yeah, I know she stopped competing now, she's given up. And it, it was like, no, this is what's actually happening. Um, but it was really normal. Um, some nausea, which I dealt, you know, eat through the morning sickness. That was one of the big bits of advice that I had. Um, we were doing hair mineral analysis at the time to make sure that all of our hormone and vitamin levels were perfect. Had been for about a year and a half. So our hair mineral doctor said to me, morning sickness is essentially low blood sugar. Mm. So we know the old wives tale of like you eat through your morning sickness, but I didn't know why. So as soon as he said morning sickness is low blood sugar, I was like, oh, no brainer. So it was like a yogurt in the morning to get something into my system yeah. and eating through. And then once I hit, I think 12 weeks overnight, the sickness stopped and just rocked on with this giant belly in tow. Um, and how quickly into your pregnancy did you start thinking about what sort of birth you might like to obviously you can't plan these things 100% but that you might like to have or try to have yeah so having been an athlete for so long and having been so embedded in the health and wellness and a lot of alternative health as well um, my husband and I eat very well we're very mindful of how we use food and lifestyle factors to supplement and support our bodies mm. um, and so, and I'm also terrified of injections. I have tattoos, I have piercings, but I am terrified really? of injections. Most so, people that have tattoos don't mind injections. Yeah, but it, I just, it, even to this day, um, and that was one of, that was not one of, that was the worst part of being pregnant was having to have blood drawn every time. I was just like, what, what am And I? a lot of blood as yes. well. It's not quick, yeah. is it? No. Um, and so I'd go in, I'd be like, be gentle with me. And the nurses would be like, do you need to lie down? I'm like, no, it's, it's silly, it's in my head. But, so I knew, the thought of natural childbirth intimidated me less than the thought of them sticking a needle in my spine. I'm like, I'm gonna be in labor having contractions and I know in myself, I deal with things through movement. You tell me to sit still and deal, I can't do it. I'm, I'm always, whether I'm talking, I'll get very expressive or if I'm, I always wanna dance, going into competitions, I'd always be dancing on the starting mat and it was like, movement works for me. So the sort of thought of sitting still in labor and then having a needle put in, I'm like, no. Nah. And then not even being able to move. Yeah, exactly. So all of it was just like, no. And then knowing so much of the way we live nowadays, not just in pregnancy and birth, so much is medicated and over-medicated. And so very early on, and it was in fact, our hair mineral doctor said to me, don't watch things like the business of being born. But there's some great things out there. There's a documentary called, um, sorry, not one born every minute. There's a great documentary called the business of being born. And that's all about natural birth. And Ricky Lake, of all people, went on this journey exploring birth. And it's wonderful because it's very honest and very open. And it really empowers women to see what we are naturally designed to do and that this is still possible. Oh, I must watch that. Yeah, really, really good. And so that kind of sent me down a rabbit hole in the first trimester of watching a lot of things around um, midwife-led birth, uh, hypnobirthing. That was how I found out about hypnobirthing. Mm -hmm. There's a woman called Ina May. She and her husband started a commune in the States in the 60s. And she delivered something like 3,000 babies without wow. medicine. I think they had 
two deaths of 3,000 births. They had one emergency C-section. She delivered multiple 10-pound babies. And it was all Amazing. just midwifery skills, community coming together, supporting the woman. And it was like, this makes sense to me. But also, from being from the UK, like I've been brought up believing that midwives deliver your baby. Yes. Yeah. And a doctor only comes in if there needs to be assistance yeah. or if there's something going wrong, basically. Yeah. In the UK, you get referred to the consultant. That's yeah. your interaction with a doctor. Yeah. Um, so my mum had three natural births. Um, so that that was also my background. Mm. Um, but being here and having been here for, goodness, the best part of 10 years at that point, my birth experience as an adult was very much based in the Middle East, which is so strongly medically led. Um, and because Rafe was due the middle of September, once we realized we wanted to do hypnobirthing, the um, hypnobirthing classes stop in the summer because everybody leaves. So the last course was in May. So I was in fact 18 weeks when we started our hypnobirthing, which was extremely early. But it also meant that I spent the first half of my pregnancy thinking about these things and the second half of my pregnancy with the tools to have mm. the hypnobirthing experience that I wanted. And we had a lot of friends um, that had trained through pregnancy. So for me, the first step was finding a doctor that was gonna support me continuing to train and also train with barbells, with gymnastics, still doing handstands, like doing yeah. things that are not considered normal for non-pregnant people. Um, so I had a great doctor that really supported that. She was the first doctor here to deliver um, by water birth. So oh, wow. all of those pieces. And so then ended up doing the hypnobirthing. And so that really was very early on. And I'll never forget the, the welcome circle. There was six or seven couples. And I say that's one thing I love about um, the way that Dubai is set up. When you're having a baby here, you pretty much have to be a woman with her husband in a room. So it kind of levels the playing field. Um, and I remember sitting in this semicircle with all these couples. And some of the women were coming back from having cesareans and wanted to change their birth story. Others were first time mums like me. And most of the dads looked a little bit like deers in headlights. And the women were either like, I want to be here, or like, I really hope this covers those concerns I have from before. And Ben and I have been the last ones to arrive. And the, the teacher, Jasmine, went around the room. And she goes, well, we'll start I'm with you guys. I'm doing it with Jasmine. Jasmine is amazing. Yeah, I'm doing it with yeah. Jasmine. Um, and she comes around and she's like, right, first couple. We hear all these stories about birth. What do you think? And Ben's just, you know, all six foot four of him, casually in the chair, goes, well, we've been doing it for millions of years. Women are designed to do this. You look at every other mammal and there's no song and dance. They just go, nest, find a safe space, and they have a baby. We're designed to do this. We need to embrace that. And I was just like, oh, he's going to be with you. And, I'm, and all the other women were like, I want that husband. The guys were like, how can he be so calm? And that's just Ben through and through. Like, he's just such this like laid back surfer dude who still does all this deep dive rabbit hole research. So I'm like, well, if he's all right, I'll be all right. Mm, so important as and well to yeah, have that. It is. He's your rock at the end of yes. the day. So that gives yeah. you strength. And it, and it really early on identified the role that he was going to play. And I, I don't think you need to have a super laid back husband or a super, super assertive husband, or you don't, you need the person that's gonna work for you. And I think as a mum going into labor, you also need to kind of meet your husband where they are because you may need all these things from them, but if they're not capable mm. of giving you that, then you need to find, and that was what I loved about the hypnobirthing, particularly with Jasmine, because it is a much more extended course. She asks questions and facilitates 
conversation. And by starting to have those conversations, more conversations come. And so it meant that we were able to build our ideal birth plan together and build the vision that we had together. And it provided each of us the opportunity to step up the way that we needed to mm -hmm. in order to support each other. Um, very early on, Ben would say things like, that's not going to work for me. He's like, cool, well then tell me what will. Yeah. And so we were able to craft the experience that we had. And I think that's why the hypnobirthing ultimately was invaluable to us. Um, and really, as I say, informed that second half of the pregnancy because it changed the vocabulary we mm. had around the process. I'm doing it with Jasmine in April mm -hmm. and I can't wait. Yeah. I'm so excited. Is Rami excited? Um, I don't know if he's excited about that. He doesn't really know what hypnobirthing okay. is. He's excited about the whole sort of journey that we're on. Yeah. Um, but he's totally up for it. Cool. He's like, great, because I've, I've shown him a few water births online. And he's like, why isn't she screaming? Why is it so calm? I'm like, this is what we're going to learn it's in hypnobirthing. Yeah. This is what we're going to learn, babe. He's like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. I think he, he's just down for whatever's going to make me feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm I'm excited to go on this journey mm -hmm. together yeah. because I, it's just a whole new world, isn't mm -hmm. it? It really is. Um, so you did the hypnobirthing with yes. Jasmine. And so how was the birth? Amazing and intense. And in hindsight, preferred is the wrong word. I would say I had more the birth I wanted with Rafe than I did with Evie. Mm. Um, so both my births were completely unmedicated, uh, which was ultimately what we wanted. Um, I was, it was a Saturday afternoon. and How I many weeks were you? 38 and a half. Okay. Both of them were 10 days early to the day. Um, and that was another thing I said to you before, like I've got really narrow hips. And so there was a part of me that was like, I, the hypnobirthing taught me that my ba my body is not gonna build a baby I can't give birth to. Yeah. And I really, really lent into that. And there was other things and other ideas that kind of flitted in and out of belief, but I had this firm and grounded belief, my body is not going to build a baby I can't give birth to. And so towards the end of my pregnancy, when they would start to say, oh, he's, he's above average, he was about a week bigger, quote unquote, as much as they can tell than he should have been mm. for his age. And then sure enough, 10 days early, ding, he's ready, let's go. Um, so I just coached a kid's class and I had a new member of staff starting, this was this, the Saturday afternoon, a new member of staff starting the following morning. So I'm like, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna sit down and get the day's admin out of the way so that I can come in tomorrow morning on board this new coach, help her find her feet because I'm really going to pop any day. And as I sat down to start doing the admin, I was like, I was really distracted in that class. That really wasn't fair on the kids. I just kept zoning out. And I, know I'm getting, I, know I'm getting, and I was having this little internal dialogue. Mm. And suddenly I sort of went, oh, that wiggled in my chair. I'm like, what was that? Um, and the only thing I can liken it to is like when you come on to a period. And I was like, oh, that was weird. And sat there and I'm like, no, okay, nothing, whatever kept working then it happened again so I was like oh okay something something's happening here didn't feel anything just felt like a little bit wet went to the toilet sorted myself out I'm like nothing to see went back and it happened again just as a friend walked in who's got two she'd just given birth about six months before and I was like Maria come here what does it feel like when your waters break and she bless her was like oh ecstatic um and then went all teary and I'm like Stop the emotions, give me an answer. And she said, go and sit down, just relax. And if you hear a trickle, then then it started. So I went back and I sat and sure enough, at first I'm like, 
there's nothing. I'm like, oh wait, I'm not relaxing. Sat back and relaxed. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Came back out and she was stood eagerly outside the door and I was like, I think my waters are breaking. Um, and that was my body starting to wind down mm. and hence being distracted. So I said to Ben, I'm like, my waters are breaking. He's like, okay, what do we do? And I'm like, I feel fine. We need to wind up. Um, and luckily there was another coach in the gym. So we said, you know, we're heading out. Um, but we weren't ready. We, nothing was in place. So Ben found a bin liner in the back of the car, sorted out the car, and uh, I jumped in, and then we were driving back. And instead of like being, oh, we're going into labor, I was on the phone, mother-in-law, can you come get the dogs? Mum, dad, I think I'm going into labor, covering classes. And it was literally like laundry list. Called my best Admin. friend, where are you? She's like, we're in Ikea. I'm like, I need you to come now, and I need your husband to install the car seat. I've gone into labor. <laughs> All of these things. And so that was about five o'clock, and then by eight o'clock, I was on the sofa, had a movie on in the background, had my feet in a, in a foot bath. Ben was just about finished running around like a crazy person. Um, and I sat down and I was getting mild cramps. Um, and I sat and watched a funny movie. We'd called the doctor. And about 10 o'clock, she's like, look, if nothing else is happening, you go to bed, I'm going to bed. I'll see you at some point in the morning, or, or at some point in the morning, essentially. So about midnight, we went up to bed, or 11. And I got into bed and I said to Ben, no, I'll sleep on your side because he was closer to the bathroom. You sleep on the other side. And I must have dozed for about 90 minutes. Um, but then that just wasn't going to happen anymore. I was like getting, the, it was going from period pains. to. So they were ramping around. up. Yeah. Um, still good space between them. And so I moved into the bathroom. I'd heard all these stories about people laboring on the toilet. Mm. And I was like, I sat there for a bit and I'm like, this isn't doing anything. So I got in the bath and very quickly felt like I was sitting in my own fear. It was a very, very strange experience. Um, but they were getting more intense. It was getting more real. And I was in the bath and I'm like, I, just, I'm, I couldn't get comfortable. Mm. And we were in, a, anyone that's ever lived in JVT, the bathtubs are enormous. So even, I didn't feel like a beached whale. Mm. I was in this like mini swimming pool, but just couldn't get comfortable. And, but because I was in a body of water, I felt like all the emotion was in the water and I just mm. couldn't escape it. Um, and then I was very sick, quite, not violently sick, I just brought everything mm. up. And Ben went, that's fear. I looked and rolled, there, don't be so wound. And I was like, sat back down, I'm like, oh, it was. And it was like my body just got everything out. I got out the bath and then sat in the shower for a little bit, um, had the ball in the bathroom. And at that point I was like, this feels like it's getting accelerating. Mm. So we downloaded a little timer. Again, didn't have that ready. Um, and just, or one of the apps we had. Anyway, started measuring between the contractions. And within about 30 minutes, I went from six to five, to four and a half, to four, to three, to three and a half, to two. And at that point, we wanted to stay at home as long as we could, but I looked at Ben and I was like, I can't handle sitting in the car with them this close mm. together. And intuitively, I didn't feel like we needed to go, but I was like, I can't have them any closer together and be confined in the car. And how was the pain at this point? So, the, and this was the other thing that made us go, the contractions were lasting a full minute. Um, and it, I felt like I could go for about 45 seconds using the hypnobirthing, using the breathing. And at the tail end, it would get like, it wasn't even pain so much, but it was like the intensity took the ability to use the tools away from me. Mm -hmm. And then it would pass and I'd be able to relax again. Um, but once we hit that two minute window, I was like, I can't imagine Ben driving and not, not being able to hold him or not having him be able to hold me yeah. for that last 15 seconds. So I was like, no, it's time to go so that we can 
shift this nesting space from home to the room where we'll give birth and just be there then yeah. and resettle. Um, and so we went and, oh, side tip, if you install your car seat before you go to hospital, don't put it behind your chair. Because I got into the car, all I wanted to do was recline <laughs> my chair and it was like, boom. Like, no. That's a good tip. <laughs> yeah. So with Evie, it stayed in the car, uh, in the booth. Um, and so that was, in fact, that 20 minutes in the car was the 20 minutes that I led into the hypnobirthing more than anywhere else in my pregnancy. Um, it was about 3.30 in the morning, so the roads were quiet. Uh, ben was driving and for the most part was able to just light touch massage, mm. just tickle my tummy. And I just lay on my side, looking out the window, eyes glazed over and just leant into my breathing and was humming and which and hospital moving. were you at medcare women and children okay so the doctor that we were with had just left alzara gone to saudi german and no, i hadn't gone so she'd left alzara and gone to medcare women and children but she was only there for three or four months before she changed hospitals so again. how long a drive is this probably about 20 minutes okay so and it was good in so much as we lived on the edge of jvt at the time so it was a couple of speed bumps and then it was mm. alkale went down on Sakim, along Sheikh Zayed and, and tucked in. So there wasn't a lot of corners, mm. there wasn't a lot of bumps. It was fairly smooth. Pulled up outside and I sat in the security guard's chair and he could see I was pretty far along. And he's like, just park the car there so we can move it in the morning, mm. not a big deal. And um, so I kind of waddled in. He offered me a wheelchair and I was like, no, 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 I, I need to be moving. Waddled in, sat on the stairs and we sort of made our way upstairs. And when we walked in, the nurses could see that I was pretty far along, things were pretty close together. So they got me into the room, um, helped out as much as they could so Ben wasn't gone for too long getting paperwork. And, um, and yes, yeah, so then we were in our room and things slowed down, and, but then they ramped back up quite mm. quickly and they checked me. That was one thing I wasn't prepared for, like the actual being checked of how, long, how far along you are. That's, that was uncomfortable. That was, that was probably the most invasive part. They came in and they kept trying to give me cannulas and we need to give blood, and I'm like, no, I don't want. And, and they're like, no, so we have to, we have to. And Ben was really a buffer at that point. He's like, mm. no, she doesn't want needles. And they're like, but sir, but sir. And he's like, does she need it? Is there a problem? He's like, he, they were like, no, but we might need it later. And he's like, if she needs it later, I will do it. He's like, don't worry, I'll make sure she drinks water. I'll make sure she does all these things that we knew from hypnobirthing were touch points for concern. Yeah, and the things that you can push back on, yes. that you have a right to push back exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he's like, don't worry, I'll make sure she's drinking. I'll make sure she's using the toilet. Um, but no needles and so they respected that and they also knew that I was Dr Annie's patient and she's very pro-natural very relaxed very laid back um, so that really helped um, and so they checked me and they were like oh you're three and they looked at my face go Whoa. maybe three and a half centimeters and I was like but again I knew chances are no matter how open I'd been when we left home the act of moving and denesting was probably gonna have made me close up a little mm. bit so I was like, you know what, fine, this is the touch point, this is our starting point, get back into where we were. And we did really well, um, progressed through very similar to home, I was able to breathe through the contractions, the tail end was quite intense, and I was like, okay, I'm through it, let's get back. Um, I'm actually feeling cramps talking about My tummy's it. twitching. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, and I, I hit a wall, and again, they talk about this in hypnobirthing, you will hit a wall where some women will be like, all right, that's it, I'm going home, I'm done now, or I can't do this anymore. Emotionally, that's I think where a lot of people, especially if you're in, your, if you're in a medicated environment, you would then go, I'll just have, I'll just do whatever you, just, just give do it whatever. to me. Yeah. 
So Ben was very good at keeping me on point. So as I started to get stuck, he asked me to come and check me again and I was only six centimeters. And I was like, I feel like- And how many hours end. is this now that you've been in the hospital? Um, only a couple of hours. Okay, so I think we long. got there at like 3.30, something like that. So this was probably like 4.30 or 5 okay. o'clock. Um, and yeah, I just didn't know what to do with myself at this point. And I just, I couldn't, I was getting tired and so I was then losing patience with this tough tail end of the contraction yeah. and I was throwing myself around more and just like trying, I was getting a bit out of control, which was not helping. I was yeah. struggling to go into myself. And, and that was when all the words came up, Ben, I can't do it. I don't want to be here. I can't do this anymore. And I don't think Ben was ready for that. Intellectually, we talked about this. I don't think he was ready for how charged those statements were going to be mm. when they came up. And so he tried what, like he sort of emptied the tool bag all over the floor and he's like, we're, we're out of, of our plan. And in the end he looked at me and he's like, right, right, come on, in the shower. And he took me, We try, I tried to be on the Swiss ball, on the sofa, on the bed, I just couldn't. He's like, right, that's it, in the shower. And he put me on the Swiss ball, in the shower, and I was bouncing with the water coming over my head and onto my tummy. Because this hospital wasn't geared up for a water birth. Mm. I'd already had this not great experience sitting in the bath, so even if there had been a tub, I don't think I would have got in. And I just bounced there on the ball, like sat back, bouncing up and down, head rolling side to side. And I remember opening my eyes. And bear in mind, at this point, it's probably coming on for 4 or 4.30 in the morning. Ben really hasn't slept. Mm -hmm. um, we left the gym and he then, <laughs> we hadn't pet the bag. But I'm like, don't worry, babe, I've got a list. So if I go into labor early, I'll print the list for you. You can pet the bag. So he'd run around like a headless chicken. So he was knackered. I remember opening my eyes, bouncing, and he was just sat on the toilet, head in his hands just knackered, bless him. But I must have sat in that ball for 45 minutes and he didn't notice any of the contractions. Suddenly being wow. on, the, on the ball and suddenly that weightlessness that you get from a Swiss mm. ball and the water hitting my tummy, it was like the water was washing away the contractions mm. and everything just ramped back down. I went back into myself like I'd felt in the car. Ben didn't notice. It was about 45 minutes and suddenly I was like, I can't be here anymore. And I got down on my hands and knees in the shower and I had the water on my back. And it's hilarious. It's like primed for like some comedy replay. But I remember being on all fours on the shower floor, completely naked, looking up at Ben on the toilet seat going, I need a poo. And it wasn't a, I need a poo, get off the toilet. It was like, I was just informing him, this is where yeah. we are now. And I look, I'm on all fours. And he's sort of looking at me and he's like, do I get up? Like, what would you need me to help you up? It's sort of this kind of, I hadn't said anything to 45 minutes. And so he snapped out and been like, give me more, what do you need kind of thing? And I was like, I need a, no, I need to push. And that was it. That was, I'm Because they here. say that's the feeling, oh, right? Yeah. It's like, I need to poo. Yeah, completely. And that's like, exactly and what that's it was. And that's when you know you need to push. Yeah. Like, Because you've never, as, as a first time mum, you've never had anything else yeah. pushed down in that area. That's, well, this is what it is. And um, Ben went, I'll get the nurse. So first thing, the maternity nurse, so not a midwife, nurse comes in and she went, oh dear, 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 don't stay on the floor, come. And I'm like, I'm about to give birth. Like, don't, don't try and pull me off the wet tile yeah. floor. And I was, and I looked, <laughs> rolled my eyes, went back to bed and went, get Annie, my doctor. She's not yeah. even in the hospital at this point. Next thing, uh, the nurse goes running out to get the midwife. The midwife comes in with an old, you know those like 90 dirham phones you get in the petrol station? Yeah. She had a white one of those in one hand. A plastic, a, a silicone glove on the other hand with like jelly on it to check. She's like, dear, come back to the bed. And I was like, no, she, oh, I'm like, check me here. She's like, well, I'll need to turn the shower off. I'm like, don't turn the shower off. I'll get, get wet. Yeah. 
And at this point, she was just trying to negotiate with me. And I looked back to Ben and went, get Annie, get Annie now. So I stayed there and then the midwife then went running out and was on the phone. Oh, doctor, doctor, your, your, your patient's ready to go. And obviously when they checked me at six centimeters and could see I was getting a bit out of control, they're like, ah, first time mom, she's getting stuck at six centimeters. We'll go back to our station, shift will be over a lot. And it was that kind of yeah. energy of like a bit blase because the look of shock when they came running in to see me <laughs> on the shower floor going, ready to push. Um, and so I got up and went back to the bed and I was bent over the bed with my elbows on the bed, legs straight and was just breathing. And at this point, all I wanted to do was push. And at some point, three, four, five contractions later, I knew Annie lived really near the hospital. Mm -hmm. She came in, she's like, hey darling, how are you? And anyone that knows Dr. Annie, she's left now, but always stinks of fags, stinks of coffee. <laughs> so she walks in at like 5.30, quarter to six in the morning with this waft of just like cigarettes and coffee. And I'm like, Annie's here. It's never been such a reassuring smell in my life. She just tickles me on the bottom of the back. All right, darling, let me just get sorted. She checked me where I was and she's like, okay, we've got a few more minutes. And to me, I'm like, this baby's coming out now. She's like, no, it's okay. Come round to the other side of the bed. Let's monitor it. She like slops down on the sofa. Our trust was so deep yeah. that it didn't throw me off and it actually then like really killed the tension in the room. And the, the maternity nurse checked my heartbeat, put the monitor on my belly. That was the other thing going through. They kept wanting to monitor me and it was so uncomfortable because again, it made me lie still and mm. I needed the movement. So anyway, the monitor's on my belly. She's like, and he's like, yeah, that's mommy's heartbeat. It's okay, let's find the other. And she was very sing-songy and she couldn't see the, the nurse not moving the monitor. And she's like, oh no, that's still mummy's heartbeat. Let's move it again. And she couldn't see. And suddenly Annie went, right, no, duh, let's, let's move it. And she went mm. business completely. And I said to her, no, she's not moved the monitor. So Annie pushed her out the way and, and moved the monitor. She's like, okay, yeah, there's baby's heartbeat. Good. All right then. Candice, why don't you hop on the bed? And it was literally like an appointment. Like her tone was the same. Her energy was the same. And I got up on the bed and she's like, okay. Next time you feel a contraction, you relax and you can start letting You're the baby on your come. back? No, nope. I was both births on my knees with my elbows up over mm. the back of the bed. So they'd sat the bed right up. Um, so it was probably almost at 90 degrees. And I hung over the top of the bed on my knees and that's how I gave birth to both my babies. Um, I had no idea what was gonna happen. I knew that lying on my back, if I didn't need to, was not gonna mm. help. Um, so yeah, I was up over the bed and yeah, rape. Spent about 45 minutes in the birth canal. And I will say, going into the shower, relaxing and those contractions passing, I went deep, deep into hypnobirthing and there was mm. no pain. I, I, m mentally, I'd gone somewhere else. My body was doing what it needed to do. Wow. My consciousness had checked out. And it was a very strange feeling, like leaning over the bed, feeling this pressure. But the intensity, the uncomfortableness, um, it is pain, but it's not pain in the way that you cut your arm and it's painful. Um, but the intensity of the contractions was gone and there was, there was no pain. Um, and then he started moving down and I, and Annie was like, go very slowly, very slowly. Um, and babies naturally come down and move back up and come down mm. and move back up. And it's their way of naturally stretching you yeah. to come out. And so that's what he did. And then he started to crown and Ben was with me, but he was also kind of watching what was going on. And Annie's like, oh, we see baby's head. You know, Candice, if you reach down, you can feel his hair. And I, the position I couldn't, I think mm. I, was, I was holding myself. Um, and I remember saying to Ben, how much longer? 
and he was like oh one or two and and he's like no we've got six or seven we're gonna take it gently Mm. and all I can remember (laughs) then disappeared at one point to check our birth plan and he offered the the, the paperwork to Annie (laughs) and she was like I I think I think we we don't need the birth plan anymore we're here (laughs) baby is almost out (laughs) (laughs) too late then but okay um and I remember all I could think of was with the next contraction, what noises are going to come out? I'm, I'm looking at your wallpaper thinking, yeah, I was a leopard, then I was a cheetah, yeah, I was probably a toucan <laughs> at some point. And I remember with every contraction thinking, God, what noise is my body going to make yeah, now? Yeah, primal. And it was really, really primal. Um, and yeah, he made his way out. And I remember at one point between contractions, feeling him kicking, which is what the babies do. They, mm. Your uterus creates this hard platform that baby basically marches on to make his way out. And it happened between contractions, but because he'd already dropped, I had this big void at the top of my tummy that I'd not felt for months. And I was like, he's kicking me, he's kicking me. That was the only little bit of panic. And Annie's like, that's normal, darling, it's okay. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, he made his way out. And I remember at the tail end, I went, oh, he's scratching me. And I'd had a little tear. Um, And that was like, it felt just like being scratched. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, and he was born at 7.44. And... I remember him, Annie tried to say, catch your baby, and I couldn't, whether it was because I was holding myself, I couldn't, and so I I remember feeling him, like, plop down onto the bed underneath me, and Annie, and the next thing I remember was Annie saying, um, cord stopped, because we wanted delayed cord cutting, cord cutting, Um, cord stopped, nurse, what time is it? and because Annie came with her and midwife who hadn't been with me up until that point and she went uh time of birth 744 it's now 748 and for those four minutes I have no idea where I went wow. just was completely checked out and at that point Annie's like okay Candice sit down we need to move baby and I couldn't whether I didn't have the strength in my legs because it was, it was a good 45 minutes of him of him coming um whether I didn't have the strength in my legs or was still completely spaced out so they cut the cord, slid him back a little bit and turned me over. And then he was immediately put skin to skin. Um, he was quite high up, so he didn't do the birth crawl, which I'd hoped for, but he latched immediately and, and fed. Oh, wow. Uh, and Annie just checked me over, checked him over in my arms and left us for an hour. Uh, oh no, she didn't, because I had to deliver the placenta. That was the only medication I had with Rafe. She gave me a good 20, 30 minutes. See, this, this whole section, my labor, I remember more vividly, that first mm. 30 minutes, I can hear it in the tone of my voice now, it was very, yeah. very different. Um, and she gave me about 20 or 30 minutes, my placenta wasn't coming, and she said, there's a little bit more blood than I would like to see, I want to give you the injection, and the injection basically closes up the capillaries mm. and helps the placenta release, and she said, there's a little bit more blood, we'll give you half dose. So I had that. Um, and then she had to massage my tummy a little bit. And but that, that doesn't bit, but. stop the feeling in your legs or anything, does it? No, no, no. So it's you can still get up and walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally, um, if a mother's bleeding quite heavily after the baby's born, it's an injection that they give you in your hip. Um, and obviously by that point, the cord's been cut. It's a small dose. It doesn't really show up in your mm. milk. We do, Again, we'd learned about this in hypnobirthing. Yeah. And Annie knew I wanted no medication, but she's like, we're at that point. 
we're going to medicate it now a little bit because I don't like, there was more blood than I'd like to see. Placenta's not coming. You've had your half an hour. We're just going to do this. And she had to give me a deep massage. She tugged on the cord a little, like not pull it, but like tugged a little bit just to kind of, mm. um, but I had nothing left. She's like, try and push, try and cough. But I mean, my abs were just, there Dumb. was nothing. They've been stretched for nine months. I've got, I've got no engagement when there's nothing mm. here. Um, and then it came and that was a very strange feeling as well. Uh, but yeah, placenta came out intact. We checked it and she left us. And we had our our golden hour of just and how because I feel like I'm already well from the minute I saw my positive test mm -hmm. you're thinking about that moment how is it is it so surreal it's crazy I've never felt unconditional love in that way before. Mm. There was there was no fireworks. I didn't cry. It just was. It was like my entire reality had shifted and this was now normal. Mm. Um, and it's funny, I went to a Birth Matters um, group in Thailand with a doula I know there. And it was just a coffee morning with mums to talk about their birth experience. And I really dived into where did I go for that four minutes? And it really feels like up until that point, Rafe's soul and my soul were physically connected to each mm. other. Like we were, we were beating off each other's heart. Like it was just, we were physically and emotionally linked. And there was something about the process of giving birth, your baby's soul separates from you and comes mm. into their own body. And there's this real sense that I went somewhere to let his soul go to, it was, it was very ethereal in that sense. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, it, the only, I, I, I don't have words for it. Yeah. It's, it's like he's suddenly here and this is now normal. And this, this is that art. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And how did you feel afterwards? Um, physically? Physically. Or physically. It was very strange. I remember them moving me to the chair. I had a few stitches, so I was uncomfortable. Um, they moved me to a wheelchair to go upstairs and I felt weak because my, my abdomen had never done anything like that. Mm. Like the, the, it wasn't even like muscle fatigue, it was like there was nothing there. Mm. Um, and I'd, I'd read that people feel like they've run a marathon. I didn't have ongoing pain, I just had this strange weakness. Um, and I was very swollen um, down there just from this very elongated process of opening and... Um, Okay, if, if anybody's squeamish, this is going to sound like TMI, but I really wish that somebody had told me beforehand just how much you engorge and just how much bigger you get. Because mm. you see a newborn baby, like, how on earth is that going to come out of an area this small? Yeah. But, and in hypnobirth, and they talk about this, like, opening of the rose. And if you actually watch a video of a rose opening, when you think it's fully opened, it's only halfway, and it keeps blossoming and blossoming mm. and blossoming. And I wasn't prepared after birth for how big everything was and within a few days everything kind of went back to normal size and also they say that the first time you go for a wee yeah like you're not prepared uh, they'd already told me because i'd had a couple of stitches they're like use the the water hose as you pee and it will just help dilute everything and so i did that and that was great um the first poo was more scary Oof. um scary and actually when it came like i think i had went four days without going but that was my body's way of like trying we're to prepare what also like, we're inflamed down here where we're not going to go right now and then by the time i went i was like oh i'm so nervous i'm so nervous um and when i went it was like soft and normal and 
although I'd had a couple of stitches, they weren't at the back. There yeah. was no reason. Um, and it was absolutely fine. I remember sitting on the toilet in our house going, mental note, Candice, remember for next time, this was really scary and it's not a big deal at yeah. all. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the hospital, I was uncomfortable because of, of how swollen I was. I couldn't sit comfortably. I couldn't roll over or, or pick Rafe up and bring him back to me, which as an athlete and as physically strong as I was, that was very disconcerting. But essentially just my, my midline didn't exist. And mm. it was probably about six or seven days before I really felt that integration start to come back. Um, but yeah, we stayed for we stayed for two nights, which is the norm here. Because he was born early, early in the morning, we had the first night and we could have gone home the next day. Mm -hmm. But my dad flew in. So Rafe was born the Sunday morning, my dad flew in the Tuesday morning. And so I said to Ben, there's no point in going home and then having to bring the dogs and then having to deal with my dad coming, we may as well stay and we'll all go home together. Yeah, and hospitals here are so lovely yeah. that why not? They're exactly. almost like hotels, aren't they? For us. <laughs> For Ben, like the, the chaise long with a chair at the end so his feet didn't oh, he hang got, off. He got the raw a, end yeah. of the deal a little bit. <laughs> uh, but they were taking care of us. And yeah. there was, you know, Spinney's, were, um, the hospital's just down the road from Spinney, so Ben was popping and getting like fresh fruit because mm. um, he wasn't catered to. And there was a little fridge in the room. And it was like, you know what, the pressure's off. We don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. And with Rafe, I had the cocooner. And I pretty much just made them take the plastic cot away. And he slept with me in the cocooner right Amazing. up by my head. Um, and then whenever they took him to weigh him or measure him, Ben went with him. Ben was the one that moved yeah. him, so he was never on his own. And and he, I mean, literally, and this is why, for anybody that has or has had a really tough birth or a heavily medicated birth or anyone that you hear about these women that are like, my water's broken, 45 minutes the baby was here, and you only hear these sensational stories. Mm. You don't hear about the middle of the road, normal, yeah. in a process that you just want to be normal. And that's why like, I sometimes feel bad that I'm like, well, I had this completely you know, textbook pregnancy. I had exactly the birth that I want. It was unmedicated. Like, but that doesn't diminish the fact that I grew a whole human and gave birth naturally. Yeah, but also I feel like you worked towards that. Yeah. You did not just wing it. Yeah. It wasn't like, I really want a natural birth, so let's hope that's what happens. Fingers crossed. And that's something that I'm starting to realize. You cannot know exactly what's gonna happen, but what you can do is educate yourself and put certain things in place yeah. so that you give yourself the best chance. Exactly. And, you know, I'm still really early on in my pregnancy, but it amazes me that friends that have already had children, now I speak to them, just had, just sort of did wing it. Yeah. And some of them got away with it and they were super lucky and some didn't. Some ended up having to have emergency C-sections, things that just quite traumatic. And and I just think, I mean, just there's so many, there's so many ways of getting this information now. Yes. There's not really an excuse. And it also, as I said before, it enables these conversations. The conversations that, that Ben and I had we, and we had we had so many steps like if this doesn't happen then we'll go this way if this doesn't happen yeah. we'll go this way and just by having had those conversations i also knew that he stood by me when he could see i was struggling and he mm. pulled from his resource and like let's try the shower it's not something we discussed but it's something we've heard about let's try yeah. it um that's something rami's already quite passionate about he's yeah. like i'm gonna be your buffer yeah 
like there's certain things I'm already like mm-hmm. I don't want that yeah you know and I'm I'm adamant that I want a doula and mm-hmm. he's like well if we can't have a doula like I'm gonna be that person yeah. like there's no way and he I'm has gonna let them do things prepare for that exactly to be the case. and waiting until you're in the midst of it is not the right time yeah. to be making those like, kind of decisions my sister-in-law's like well I'm just gonna go with the flow and I'm tearing I'm like please 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 I mean whose flow <laughs> because it's not your flow it's not you and your Partners, exactly, it's just and I just think going with the flow here as well, where it's very medically led, mm-hmm. when you are in the midst of that sort of like chaos, and then you've got someone saying, I think we need to do this, and you don't know the right questions to ask, or you're well, right, like, that's not the right time. the cannula in my hand, I would have been so much less comfortable in the shower. I wouldn't have been able to come down onto all fours on the floor. Mm. Just that simple act of having that put in would have restricted my ability to move. Having the monitor strapped to my tummy, they're like, just 30 minutes. Within about two or three minutes, I'm like, enough has happened that they've, they, like, they've heard the heartbeat, baby's fine, get it off me now. And I said, I, I remember twice sending Ben out to come and, and have them take it off me. So if they don't, I'm going to take it off. Mm. And yes, don't get me wrong, if you have any concerns, if there are any concerns for your baby, then we have we're immensely lucky to have all of these options and equally i think of all of my hypnobirthing group i was the only one that had a completely non-medicated birth and it doesn't make me any more special it doesn't make me any less special it doesn't negate from any other birth that happened i had my birth experience Mm. the fact that it was like and there's this big thing like you had no you had no medication you had no drugs that's because you're a crossfit athlete you know you're, you're strong like that like, actually, it's not. Mm. It's because that's what I chose and that's what I committed to. And there were plenty of times along the way that I could have said, give me something. Yeah. But I knew I didn't want that for myself or for my child. Mm. Um, and that was my choice for us and for our family. And of all the mums, because obviously I did the hypnobirthing so early, I was the last one to give birth. And all of the other mums, like um, one of the, the VBAC mums had had the natural birth. And that was her number one thing. And she's like, I got to about six or seven centimetres. I got stuck. I opted for the epidural, but I still was using the hypnobirth. Yeah. And it was like, she used all of these resources and she walked away from her birth with satisfaction and respect for herself and love for the process that had happened. That's what it's about, though. Exactly. It doesn't, it, just, just because you're doing hypnobirthing doesn't mean that you have to have a natural birth. Yeah. I just... I'm still so early on in this process, but I feel this need to learn more because I feel like so many women don't get the birth that they want. And for some people, that's not 100% natural birth. You just want to feel like you had an amazing experience. Exactly. And no one interfered with what you wanted. And this is the biggest part. However that looks, you know. So much satisfaction around birth comes from the mother being part of the choices. Mm. You know, had I had to have a C-section with either child, I I know and I'm confident that we would have got to that point that I would have been a part of it. Yes. It wouldn't have been a, you know, they're talking over there in the corner and they're wheeling me off and, I'm, and I don't know what's going on. Uh, and we'd had those conversations. If it happens, then I don't want Ben to stay with me. I want Ben to stay with Rafe. Mm-hmm. If, and we, so I, I knew there was context around these things if they did happen. Yeah, for every eventuality, yeah. yeah. Um, and it just... There's so little time in conversation for distinctly normal births mm. and distinctly normal... Cause they're not exciting. But actually, they're normal because they're normal. And, you know, 
the vast majority of births are normal. And there may be an epidural, there may be gas and air, there may be some pathogen, you may be induced. And yes, as soon as you start to medicate, the chance of further medication increase. Mm. But this middle of the road, I went into hospital, I had an, a normal vaginal birth, we are fine, baby latched and now I breastfeed. Yeah. That's normal. And that, that is what most people can expect to experience. Mm. It's only when you opt to do something different or in extreme cases that you have a different situation. Yeah. And as I say, we're immensely lucky to live in a society where we can afford to have emergency C-sections, mm. where we have the skill set and the facilities available to us. And yet this whole group of normal mums having normal babies somehow gets overlooked in the process. Yeah, and when I have little moments of panic where I think, I've actually got to give birth to this mm -hmm. baby, I think this is what we're designed to do. And there's women all over the world giving birth unassisted, having their babies. This It's just totally normal. Yeah. And you said with your little girl, your pregnancy was more or less the same, but you got... You you sort of mentioned that maybe different. for the for your little boy's birth that was more what you yes had planned for. So what happened with your little girl? So first of all, the pregnancy was about the same. I had a bit more nausea, a bit more sickness, but I actually put that down to the fact that I was also chasing a toddler around at this yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> and within about two months of falling pregnant, we entered into the process of selling our business. So there's a lot of things you probably don't want to do when you're pregnant and yeah. preparing a business for sale and having a toddler running around like a crazy person. Um, the height of my morning sickness with Evie coincided with Rafe having two weeks off nursery. <laughs> so I was just like, and of course then Ben couldn't be there because we owned the business together. So he was covering me at mm. the gym. And so that was the first time Rafe watched TV. And I basically leveraged every Dubai service that was getting yeah. food delivered. And of course I'm pregnant, I have an 18 month old. So there was no McDonald's. It was like the best quality food was being delivered. Those two weeks cost us a fortune. Um, and I was just on the sofa and just it was like throw money at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> buy some new toys, order in food, find, like just, but we got through it. Um, but I was much more tired. Whereas with Rafe, I could wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I'm tired. I can push that. I, my first client knew um, that if I woke up really knackered, that we'd push the session mm. back so I could go back to bed with Rafe. 18 month old doesn't go, okay, mommy, you stay asleep. Yeah, it's a different <laughs> ball game. Completely. Um, so that was more intense and I felt just the volume of stuff in my life much more quickly. So at about, I remember, I think it's week 28, the, the odds of if you go into labor at week 27, you have a very slim chance of baby surviving. Mm. And then if you get to week 28, the odds of the baby surviving are yep, much, much higher. I've heard this. And I remember getting to week 28 and going... All right, the odds are in our favor now, Evie. Anytime you yeah. want to come. If you want to be early, babe, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> and, and it was that early. At 28 weeks, I'm like, whenever you're ready, sweetheart. Um, and the pregnancy was no more difficult, but I think everything else in my life was just There's more a lot intense. more going on. Yeah. And at 32 weeks, I was like, I'm done. And I'm not enjoying being pregnant anymore. Um, I was getting Braxton Hicks, which I never had with Rafe. And they weren't uncomfortable. I was just tired. Yeah. Um, and then when I finally went into labor, and I remember actually I'd... I was, I'd kind of got over myself a bit. By like week 36 to week 38, I was just, I was a bit, a bit done. Um, and then I kind of relaxed and I'm like, 38 weeks, like this will be the right one. Um, 
And I remember the Wednesday night sending Ben to Spinney's. And I'm like, can you just come back with all the cliched raspberry leaf tea, yeah. pineapple, something a bit spicy, and then just bring me back like some chips and some bread and a nice cheese. And I had like a real kind of picnic. Mm. And I watched, what is it, Salt, Acid, Fire, and some, it's a food documentary on Netflix, which was never my sort of thing. And I curled myself up and I watched this documentary and I ate all this food and I was so mellow. And in hindsight, it's exactly the same feeling I had when I coached that kid's class and thought, God, I was away with the fairies. Yeah. And I, I just got into that state. I remember waking up at 5.22 the following morning and I was like, oh, okay, that was, that was intense. But obviously I'd had all the Braxton Hicks. So I kept thinking I was getting started and I'm like, okay, go back to sleep. But it was strong enough that I checked the time on my phone, went back to sleep. I woke up at 5.36 to another one. I was like, okay, that was a little longer. Still only 10 or 15 seconds. And then again, and then by about 10 past six, and I was dozing between them. By about 10 past six, I, I woke Ben. I was like, I think I'm getting started. And so he startled a bit. I'm like, super early, everything's fine, but I think, I think we're getting started. Um, so about half past six, I got up. Rafe got up. And we had a real kind of chilled morning. He'd go and play with his toys. He's very laid back. So he was kind of having a play. I was getting some fruit chop for him. Ben was pottering around. He called his mum about 6.30. He was like, Candace thinks things are getting started. So plan to come over at some point. And I've been very clear that I didn't want to labor with my mother-in-law there. Because mm. um, knowing that we were leaving, we downsized to a one-bedroom flat. So it wasn't like we were in our big house yeah. anymore where we could tuck ourselves away. It's literally going to be a door between us and, and the living room. Um, and so we took the dogs for a long walk. And going out, I was okay. But by the time we were coming back, I was kind of stopping to let the contraction pass and would walk again. And it was very calm and it was a, a lovely, cool morning. And it was just really peaceful. And about nine o'clock, they'd come to about six minutes apart. And the doctor had warned us, it'll come on much more quickly this time. Because it's your second baby. Exactly. Your body knows what to do. Um, and so I said to Ben, I think maybe we should think about going. And his mum had arrived by this point. They were playing. And I had this real thing in my head of I don't want to labour with my mother-in-law here. And it nothing to do with her. It was something in me. And I remember walking to, through the car park to the car. And intuitively, I was like, it's too early. We shouldn't be going yet. And for some reason, I got in the car. And it was City Hospital this time. So it was a much further drive, Motor City to City Hospital. Um, and I got there and they checked me and I was like, barely dilated. Mm. And I had a real sense, because City's a much bigger hospital, a real sense of walking up to the labor ward of, there were so many sick people around. I had to walk through a hospital to get there and it was daytime and and we walked in and they were like, oh, are you here for a tour? Because I was very, very in myself, I was very insular, but they, I wasn't obviously in labor. And um, this midwife just never took me seriously. And so she set me up and she's like, you're, you're barely half a centimeter, I'll give you an hour. So I, was, I said, just to see if you can like get started again. Mm. And so I was lying there and I had this pressure of like, I have an hour to show up. So I was like trying to get into myself and trying to relax and trying to lean into all of these techniques, knowing that my labor was progressing before we got into the hospital. And at the same time, in the back of my mind, I had this like voice saying, open up you've got to open up because if you're not open up they're going to send you home the last thing you want to do is get sent home you've got to and, and so I it was like this real torn feeling mm. and after about an hour she's like look we've got no beds you're not progressed far enough for me to give you a room yet and, she's like, and also they'll charge you if you check in now and I'm like the money's no object I'm here for two days I know I'm here for two days regardless if I am in a room for the next 12 hours laboring that doesn't phase me I just don't want to be yeah you're paying for it regardless yeah. so 
So we go back to the car and I said to Ben, she's like, just go for a walk around. And I'm like, I don't care all of this walk to bring your labor on. I want to nest. I want to feel safe. Yeah. I want to feel secure. And I want to let this process start. It's not going to happen walking around a building full of sick people. So we were in the basement of City Hospital, full of cars. We had to start the ignition because it's fumey. So what time of year is this as well? November. Oh, okay, so it wasn't boiling hot. No, and we had least. already walked out of the hospital to like a little Zoom to get water and, and snacks mm. and come back to the car. Because um, also at that point then I realised I'm not going into a very fast labour and I've not eaten enough for this to now take the rest of the day. So we went and got some yeah. snacks. We got back to the hospital, Ben's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I just want to be lying down. Can we just go to the car? So we got to the car and I was laying in the car. We just had like music in the background and all I could think was just doze, let your labour come on. And it was starting up again, but then I still had that voice. You can't go back in that hospital. Don't let her send you home. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You know, mm. hurry up and relax and progress. And we went back up and she's like, you're three centimetres. It's not going fast enough. You may, may as well go home. And she was really cold and really abrupt. And I'm like, you meant to be a midwife? City's known mm. for their midwives and I just wasn't getting it from her. And I don't know whether she thought I was rude because I was trying to really just stay out of the, the physical environment. She should environment. be used to that though. Yeah. Um, and and so we ended up going home. And of course, driving down Alcale Road, contractions started coming back, got home, Rafe and Tony are like playing and watching TV and Rafe's like, hey mummy, and I was just head down, went straight in because the labor had all restarted. Mm. And I remember bouncing on the ball, leaning over the bed, Ben closed all the curtains, didn't go in, I sat in the bath briefly, um, mostly to like have some essential oils and calm myself down. And then I labored on the toilet. And with Rafe, I didn't. With Evie, I did. And with every contraction, I was so relaxed. I peed a little bit with every contraction just because I was like, just let everything. Yeah. I was at that point, I'm like, just let everything go. And then at about four o'clock, I curled up on the bed. I was like, I'm exhausted. Like the stress of all the back and forth. Um, and then my contractions eased up again. They went to about 15 minutes apart and they let me sleep. And they were intense. They were still full minute long. My body was still opening, but I would lay there and I'd sleep and I'd wake up as it finished. Again, that same window mm. with Rafe I struggled with and I'd go back to sleep. And then I, but then of course I was home and all I could think of was don't go back to the hospital and get sent home again. Yeah. And so I was like, hang on, I'm like, hang on a bit longer, hang on a bit longer. And, and then I said to Ben, like, this is enough now. I'm not comfortable moving between the toilet and the bed knowing that I want to relax fully, but I can't stay here at some point. Let's just go. Yeah, you're kind of in limbo. Exactly. And we went back and I was like, I've, I've got to be six, seven centimeters. Like the intensity of contractions, yeah. um, the intensity of the opening sensation, how spaced out I feel. And of course we got to the hospital and she's like, you're three centimeters. And I'm like, of course I am. I've got the same bloody nurse because they work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. This is 6.30 at this point. And I'm like, she's still there. And I think if she hadn't been there, I probably would have been like eight centimeters. And I yeah. saw her and just contracted up. Anyway, I'm like, okay, can I have the water burst? And she's like, well, you know, if why don't you just go? I'm not going to check you. That's what she said. I'm not going to check you in yet. And I'm like, please don't make me leave. Please. And, and I was like, desperately, she's like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to make you leave. You can have a room, but I'm not going to check you in. Because let's face it, you're not going to give birth before midnight. And if I check you in today, they'll charge you from today instead of from tomorrow. And so in her way, she was trying to help trying us out. Trying to help. Um, and the water birthing room was gone. They're like, a lady's just given birth, but there's been a couple of complications, so we can't clear the room. So we'll, I'm like, just, just, just give me a room. I'm like, I know I don't need the tub. A water birth would have been nice, but I don't need it. As long as I've got a shower and a room. Mm. And so at 6.30, she moves me across. About 10 to 7, I'm in the room, and she comes in with paperwork. 
and I'm literally like a couple of minutes apart, minute long contractions. She walks in and Ben was like pottering around getting everything like set out that we wanted to hand. And I was just on the bed and, and she's like, can you just fill this out for me? And so I did like, and it was literally like a tick yes, no box, tick the first box and then went in deep back into myself. I don't know whether it was impatience or realization that I was really in labor. Yeah. Um, and so I took the second box. So it took me about 10 minutes to tick three boxes. And she's like, I'm going to go and check you in now. <laughs> yeah, damn straight you are. <laughs> um, and then she came back and wanted to take blood and put a cannula in. And this was a British midwife as well. So she's been educated in a non-medicated mm. environment. Um, and... And I'm like, no, I get bruises in my hands. I don't want one. Ben's like, does she really? I said, well, you know, if she has to have a blood transfusion, I had a healthy pregnancy. Yeah, like, why would wrong you with need me. that? And anyway, I managed to convince her to take a normal, like, from the pit of my mm. elbow blood test um, to check my blood count. And then she left. And she's like, okay, well, I'm off shift now. That was about 10 past seven. And so I then, I think at that point, I just took all my clothes off. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't need a caftan. I, don't need, I, I just, I just want to be safe and nestled and have a baby mm. now. And so I was laboring on the toilet again, couldn't get comfortable in the shower. So I was like, I'm, I'm on the toilet. So all of that thought from the first pregnancy of laboring on the toilet, what? Evie and I, we were there, we were on that toilet. That's where you're comfortable <laughs> it was, and, it's, yeah. and it's happening, then yeah. stay put. Yeah. And then Asima came in, she knocked on the door and saw me on the toilet and just kind of, I don't know what noises I was making at this point. And she's like, all right, dear, I've just come to introduce myself. Um, and she's like, oh, sorry, I'll leave you till you finish. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm laboring here. And she came in um, and she's like, all right, are you okay? I am going to need to check you. And I'm like, are you sure? Really? Like, it's really intense now. Um, and at this point as well with Evie, my waters hadn't broken. With mm. Rafe, they were breaking all the way home in the car. Um, and, but with Evie, they hadn't, which was again, completely different. Yeah. Um, and so she kind of helped me over to the bed and I just like was bent over the bed much like I was um, with Evie and I, and I had this and I had this distinct feeling that maybe I needed to poo but at that point I was like well it's been so all over the place maybe my body's just clearing out before we go into the yeah maybe I do stage. just need the loo yeah um, and so we come over the bed and and obviously this other midwife had had briefed Asima to say that um you know, second time mum, but she was three centimetres. I've given her a room, but it's not going very far. So she'd left me quite a while, like maybe 25 minutes before she came. She's obviously seen other mums before she came to me. Because it was about about 10 to 8. So it had been a good 40 minutes before she came in. Um, and she realised very, very quickly that I was very close. And I was kneeling on the floor. The bed was quite low over the bed. And she's like, dang, I really need to check you. you can get up on the bed. And I'm like, I don't think I can. Can you check me here? And she's like, let me see if I can. And she literally like lay down on the floor to try and check me. And as she did, I had a contraction and the whole back of my body went round and Evie's head came halfway into the birth canal. Wow. And I was like, she's coming out. And obviously at this point, Asima's like, yeah, she could just see there was, I was ready to go. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's halfway out. And Asima's like, it's okay, darling, it's okay. And, um... And I was like, she can't be born on the floor, like, it's too hard. And I somehow managed to contract her back up and scrambled up onto the bed. And Asima was amazing. In the five or ten minutes she'd been in the room, she immediately adopted all of the birth language that mm. Ben was using, got me onto the bed. A maternity nurse, she'd realised and called a maternity nurse in. 
and she was very calm with me, adopting Ben's language, which I really noticed. And then I felt her lean back from me, she had her hands on my back and went, get me the delivery kit now. Like very serious, very matter of fact. And I climbed up onto the bed. Is this a midwife or a doctor? Midwife. 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 Um, no one had even called my doctor at this point. Like Dr. Britt was at home. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, she's, she's three centimeters. She's nowhere near. And um, so I'm up on the bed and I was like, okay, she's going, she's like, Can is she doing great? She's still adopting Ben's language, like stroking my back. And just before a seamer had come in, I remember sitting on the toilet thinking, I'm never having another baby. I never want to be in labor again. I never want to give birth again. I'm done. And so all of that energy of the pregnancy and much like um, you mentioned earlier about like having all of that positive energy to baby, even when you're feeling emotional, I was saying like, Evie, this isn't you, this is me, but I'm over it. Me and myself, yeah. this is the end of this my journey with this. This is to do with, with you. This. I'm yeah. just, yeah. I can't wait for you to be here, but my journey in this is over. Yeah. And, um, and so we were up on the bed and I was expecting, I'm like, I'm gonna have all these noises. I'm gonna go deep into this again. I think I had three contractions and Evie literally went into the bed. Amazing. And I remember the last contraction um, saying to Asima, you're scratching me, you're scratching me. Because um, typically midwives and doctors will kind of hold you and, and support baby in case baby comes mm. out fast. And it also reduces your risk of tearing because baby doesn't come out too quickly. So I was saying, Asima, Asima, you're, you're scratching me, you're scratching me. And I heard the maternity nurse behind me go, no, darling, that's your baby coming. Very gentle, very calm. And I was like, okay, because it was so much fun. Like mm. with Rafe, I felt him like the ebb and flow. This was quicker. Very, very quick. Um, so it was literally contraction, contraction, plop. And I say plop because my waters hadn't broken. So I had a few like golf ball sized like gushes. So do your before. waters not necessarily have to break? No. In order, ah, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the final. Then why do people always, you see on like one born every minute, they're like, we need to break your waters. To bring things on. Is that just to get things to, so, but you were progressing anyway. No one okay. had even checked. Okay. Um, and, and if you're progressing, it's fine. Typically they'll give you a sweep um, mm. instead of chemically inducing you to try and like, scar your waters to encourage them yeah. to break which will then bring things on um or if women you know get to eight nine centimeters and they're not they're not progressing they might break your waters to try and bring it on but you don't have to I mean some babies are born in the sack still they're called yeah. angel babies i think yeah um and so i'd had a few um like gushes of my water starting to break when i was just before i came out to meet asima and uh, to meet her <laughs> before i came out um back to the bedroom and um and yeah so she was whereas Rafe came out really covered in that thick waxy mm. stuff Eva came out clean as a whistle wow. um and she came out very floppy very very floppy and Asima had literally had 10 minutes to check my birth plan and so and with Evie because I hadn't gone to this deep space as soon as she came out I flipped over and they put her on my tummy um Whereas with Rafe, they did flip me before they cut his cord because I couldn't turn over because there was not, anyway. Um, but she was clean as a wilter and she was so floppy. And Asima like wrapped her up and she's like, she was, I could see her like really like watching mm -hmm. her. She's like, she's a little floppy darling. Okay, and she was rubbing her and I'm like, please don't clean her. And she's like, okay darling, but she's a little floppy. And Asima let me continue to hold her. But by the end, she was really quite vigorously rubbing her with the towel. Mm. And then she sort of went, oh, and then she latched and fed. But I could see it needed to happen. Um, but she was clean as a whistle because she'd still been swimming around until yeah. the moment she was born. Um, and yeah, they left me. And I t as I turned round, there was a maternity nurse, Ben, Asima, and then the consultant um, 
on-call doctor because my doctor hadn't made it. And so um, this obviously, because in Dubai you have to give birth with a doctor present. Mm. So obviously the on-call um, OBGYN had kind of slipped into the room. So I had a midwife-led birth um, with Evie and a doctor had slipped in at the end. So there had been a doctor present. And Just she, to sort of take that box. Yeah, she's like, hi darling, congratulations. <laughs> What is this? Yeah, it's funny because I, I did a tour. I'm, I'm giving birth in Alzara and okay. I did a tour with the midwife and I was mm-hmm. the only one on the tour. Um, and Rami couldn't come that day because of work. And I said, well, we can do another one. We've, yeah. got, we've got six months. Yeah. So I went and it was just me and this midwife, um, this amazing Scouse girl. And I was like, how do I make sure that you're at my birth? First of all, are you here in July? She's yeah. like, yeah, I'm not going away until August. She was like, you just request me. It's fine. Um, because I just thought, yeah, I, we just had this, yeah, I just rapport. immediately connected with her and I just thought, yeah, I want you to deliver my baby. Mm-hmm. And she knows my doctor, obviously. And she's like, a couple of times the doctor hasn't been able to get there in time. And yeah. I have been the one anyway. So in my mind, I hope that it kind of plays out that way because I want a midwife. Yeah. And it was lovely. Like at Seema, like, so literally this was 7.10, the midwife I didn't like left. 7.50, she came in. Evie was born at 8.26. So we got wow. to the hospital at 6.30 and got poo-hooed at three centimetres. Within two hours, I had a baby in my arms. And so it's just like, and again, it was the hypnobirthing. Because all I wanted to do for that entire day was like, let me be in myself. Yeah. Let me just do what my body and nature and everything around this process is designed to do. Mm. Um, Without being disturbed well, exactly. and having to keep moving. And I think it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sort of time game because I've been warned not to go to the hospital too early here because that's when you're sort of on their clock then. Exactly. So if things aren't progressing how they would like, that's when they start to interfere. And if your water, so with Rafe, I had like a balloon explosion water break and I didn't even feel the slightest twinge mm. for three and a half hours. Had I gone, my waters are broken, let's go to the hospital. Even though it, he was born within 14 hours, yeah. as you say, you're on their clock. Yeah. Um, and you won't progress as fast. No. Because I, I didn't know until I got pregnant and I started listening to podcasts and doing my research that you have to produce oxytocin to give birth. And adrenaline actually works against you. I had no idea. And I thought, that makes total sense. That was that little voice in the back of my head saying, don't go back, don't get yeah, sent away, and that's Harry why up. when so many women, things are progressing really well, they get into the hospital they get put on their backs, all these bright lights, and suddenly the adrenaline starts. So they stop breathing. And things start to slow down. And that, it, it totally makes sense, but I never knew that yeah. before. So our uterus has three layers, and the middle of those three layers is just blood flow. It's just to get blood flow. Like if you go and do 20, 30, 50 squats, whatever it takes for you to get that burn sensation in your muscles, you need oxygenated blood to take away the lactic mm. acid, take the burn away. Your uterus is doing work. It's never done before with your first baby, with your first labor. It's like, it's, it needs that blood flow to keep the oxygenation. Yeah. And they found increasingly that these women that go into emergency C-section because things have got more and more straught and fraught and intense, they start the C-section and that middle layer that should be rosy red reoxygenating the uterus is white because they've held their breath they've tensed up and they've shut down the process chemically within their own body based on the environment that they're in and it's like what can you do to create a bubble around yourself 
having your husband as a buffer, having a team you know, going to a space that is familiar, music, smell, all of these things that mm. create an environment where you're safe instead of this environment that is going to induce stress and offset where you are and where you want to be. Yeah. That honestly, thank you so much for sharing all of that. You have made me so excited. <laughs> and I love to because we should be able to have this experience. And yeah. I'm not special and I'm not one in a million. But do you I know what it is? It's about nature. It's, do what I'm, I, I, I did and what having I trust in it, exactly. having trust in your body, and but also being really conscious from day one. And it's, and that, I mean, I'm not a go with the flow sort of person anyway, but it's, I'm so conscious to, okay, let me find out more about this. Let me know. You, you've you know, cultivated your intuition, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what it is. You don't have to be a, li I'm not, right? I'm the least laid back person. But I know what it is to trust my gut. I know what it is to trust my intuition. Mm. And the, the more you lean into that and the more that you have faith in that and as baby grows and you start to feel that connection, it becomes much, much easier. It's a muscle. Do you think there's an element as well? Because there's part of me that is so excited to give birth as well. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like it's something that I want to achieve. Like there's part of me that if baby has to come out another way because that's what's right for my baby and its health i'm absolutely fine with that yeah. and i'll have planned so yes. that i'm part of that decision but there's also part of me that's like there's no reason why if everything's going fine and baby's okay that i can't do this and it's something i want to do yeah like and i, I feel very I, I don't know like i really i want to do this like it's important to me whereas some of my friends are like i really don't care just give me the drugs yeah. and get the baby out yeah i don't care and i think as long as you you don't move into a space of like, I'm doing birth, I'm doing mm. labor, I'm doing, like, as long as you, as long as you come to it intuitively, yeah. then it's okay. If you come to it as a, I'm gonna do this thing, you can start to railroad the natural process. Mm. But I think if you go in with having had the conversations you need to have, having the awareness of where you are and, yeah. and a rough awareness of where your boundaries might be, because you may go into labor and find that your boundaries are way closer than you thought they were or way further than you thought they were. But yeah. it's that, it, I think it's more about faith and trust and awareness than it is about, you can't go into this process gung-ho. No. Because you railroading your process is exactly the same as someone else railroading it. It really is about less is more, being not doing, all of mm. that kind of settle into your body and let the natural be yeah and don't do the process because there's plenty of other people that will come in and do birth for you mm. the more you can be in what you need that's kind of how you'll show your it's it's stepping into your power in a very very feminine natural yeah. grounded way instead of stepping into kind of an, an alpha energy if that mm. makes sense no total sense and it and it leads me on actually because I want to talk a little bit about coaching mm -hmm. um I did a coaching course last year mm -hmm, and I loved it um when did you start coaching how did this help with your birth if it was before your children and how has it helped with your parenting okay. style as well so I knew at 17 I was going to coach initially I thought it'd be like executive business coaching at 12, I wanted to be a professional devil's advocate. <laughs> I was like, at the time, I was like, well, 
I suppose, asking powerful questions and challenging people's mm. belief systems. Um, 2013, I, I officially started the journey, although I knew as early as like 2006, and it was always CTI um, that I wanted to go with. Finally, in 2013, I got out of my own way. I stopped playing small. I stopped letting my successful business and my other successes be the excuse to stop me doing what mm. I knew I was supposed to be doing. And in the CTI process, you do a, a fundamentals course, and it's basically a touch point of all the different modules and way of teaching. It's kind of, it's wonderful because you get a two and a half day deep dive into coaching that you can then apply to life, or it's the first step on the journey. And I was watching people in this room grow and become better versions of themselves before my eyes in two and a half days. And I felt like someone had just Chinese tortured me, like peeling one layer of skin off mm. my chest at a time. I felt raw and exposed and lost and confused and I didn't go back. And it took me two years, best part of two years to get back in the classroom. Um, and I started the beginning of December. Um, and by the second course, I was nine weeks pregnant. Nine weeks pregnant with Rafe, yeah. So I actually did my training whilst pregnant. Um, and I'd been coaching people in, in fitness for years. My degree was in HR. So I had a lot of people interaction anyway. Um, so a lot of the skills around listening, intuition, trusting myself, um, I was already employing, but mm. I didn't have the formal qualifications. Um, so yeah, 2015 was, was when I really dived into the process. Um, rolled straight from modules into six month certification. So I was meant to do the exam two days after Rafe was born, so obviously had to postpone that. Um, but yeah, so my pregnancy was actually very embedded in coaching. And it was wonderful because I would coach people. And when I was really deeply connected with people, really at an intuitive level, and, and there was a real, just a sense of being with them, Rafe would kick. And it wouldn't be like thrusty, stubborn kicking. It would sort of be almost like waves, like he was just mm. swimming in the energy of, of the connection that I was having. And it was an amazing reinforcement. And I remember driving home from those sessions thinking, why haven't I been doing this? Just this, this calm and really felt in my power, but extremely calm, as opposed to this like amped up yeah. energy of powerfulness, but this like grounded, deep sense of self. Um, and it was actually really wonderful. And I really thought about it at the time. How am I going to tap into that natural feedback loop that Rafe was such a, a, a fundamental part of when I was pregnant once he was born? Um, so that was a wonderful start of our relationship um, and how coaching in my pregnancy really showed up. And I think it's really helped in the way that I listen. Mm, active listening. Mm. Um, and I think one of the biggest things, and it drives him nuts sometimes, because like, don't coach me, I just want to talk to you, but my ability to talk to Ben and my awareness loop is much shorter now than it used to be, so I'll notice things sooner. Yeah, I, it's one of the things I'm still getting to grips with, having done my course. Mm -hmm. I feel like my eyes have been opened and I'm, I notice things that I just was oblivious to yeah. before with, with certain people in my life. And mm -hmm. it's, yeah, there's an adjustment period. Mm -hmm. you, you say you felt raw. I'm still, I, uh, since I finished my course, I haven't done any coaching and I haven't been coached. I've just needed time yeah. because everything looks different and I'm questioning everything. I'm confused. 
like I've just needed time mm -hmm. because it's it's a lot yeah and I think also this is somewhere that when you're ready to come back to it coming back to coaching to being coached because there's always only so much that we can sort out in our own heads mm. and sometimes we have to say things out loud like talking about my birth stories now there was a couple of things I remembered that I've not thought of before because I haven't had this opportunity to I've told my birth story before but every time I tell it something else comes up or something else connects and that's the power of coaching yes. that is why I love it so much and I will go I will find my way back to it mm -hmm. I know I will because I believe in it so much and it is just that simplicity of saying things out loud yes. but at the same time I need to sort out my things like mm -hmm. I just need to and you'll know recover yeah. from this huge kind of yeah it's like turning yourself inside out and yeah. suddenly lights are being shone on things in your life and you're and I'm so glad I'm happy about mm -hmm. it but I'm very much I'm right now I'm in the middle of that discomfort I'm muddling through it and that's the, the thing you'll hit a point where you can't muddle anymore yeah and it's like you need an external spotlight to shine some light behind you because you're not turned around yet mm. um or you'll move through it and you'll move into something new and suddenly that new thing needs coaching. And I think the more that you are coached, the more you realize the value of it. Yeah. Like I often say to people, it's my job to help you get out of your own way. Mm. Like you're the expert in your life, but sometimes like we block out the light. Like trying to read a book with the light behind you. If you're blocking that light, you're not gonna see what's on the page. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I posted about this the other day because it was, it, driving me nuts I'm not here to fix anybody I don't want to fix you I, I saw don't that think post. you're broken I loved it. so many people do that oh well you know but we're not therapists we're not counselors we're not medically trained mm. we're not medical professionals so if you come to me and you do legitimately have a medical condition then I'm not the right person for you and I will happily tell you that but if you're stuck or you're not where you know you could be or you're playing small and you don't know how to stop that's where I work and thrive. Yeah. And I will hold a vision for you. I will hold your vision for you and I will keep reminding you of it until you're ready to let go of the things mm. that are holding you back. I would love to have some coaching with you. Be cool. you right now, because I, I had a little bit of coaching before Christmas and, um, and this gentleman that was coaching me just said something that resonated so deeply. And he basically said that I imagine you're underwater and you can't see because there's so much sand and you're just kicking up more sand you're trying to fix everything you're 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 just trying to get busy to fix this and you just need to get still yeah so that's why I've also just had a little bit of a break from it because I've just been being still yeah and it's okay if certain things aren't happening um lean when into the tough. things that are coming to you yeah. like my podcast I love it I have the time and space to do it so stop making excuses okay it doesn't make you money so well yeah. I'll, I'll put that on hold for now no do it lean into it so yeah, what are you waiting busy. for so no, that's listen. another reason just to just to be a bit still because that's not my natural instinct yes. and that's that's <laughs> the hardest part there was um fighting those natural yeah. urges someone quoted um tom otten in a it was a, a a talk in dubai he'd done and i don't remember exactly i've got a screenshot of it on my phone but it was something along the lines of I'm busy is the adult equivalent of the dog ate my homework. Yeah. And I was just like, that, that's it. Bec especially, especially in Dubai. And this is where I'm being drawn to in my work. We are on this success train. You do this, mm -hmm. you do this, you do this, you do this, you build up, 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 up. And there's so many 
people. I see it more in women because I've just had children and I've had time to step back. But for men, it's even worse because they don't almost have the excuse of having a baby to step off. Yeah. And they become this perpetuated version of success and they wake up and it's like success becomes these golden handcuffs. And they're like, well, I'm here. I know my, my track split. I should be way over mm -hmm. there, but I'm stuck here because of the house and the rent and the dream job and everybody says I should be so happy and outwardly I am because I'm six. And it becomes this little voice in the back of their head that becomes like this underwater river that eventually corrodes the foundations of everything yeah. you believe in if you don't have the courage to step off. And I did it. I had a wonderful business and a community that I loved and I was a successful athlete. And I knew even before I started that business, LifeSpark was meant to be a holistic health and lifestyle mm. center. And we'd use CrossFit for health and fitness, but there would be nutrition and life coaching and all of these things that I knew were integral to being the best version of yourself. And then I became a CrossFit athlete and I became very successful and we became the first CrossFit gym in the Middle East. And then we were Reebok affiliated and, and it was all these incredible things. Mm. And I was watching us change lives. But in the back of my mind, I always knew this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And the more successful we became, the harder it was yeah. to step away the from that. The further you fell yeah. away from your, your sort of true calling. Yes. And I think um, Brené Brown says um, this quote about how people, especially women, wear exhaustion as a sort of badge of honor. And I did that for quite a long time. But I, I then realized, oh, I'm actually just working really hard. I'm not working smart. And that's where that busyness why comes in. am i just exhausting yeah. for what yeah. why am, what is this even about yeah. um and i see that a lot particularly with women we just exhaust ourselves and it's almost it's like a competition like yes. who's more exhausted yeah. and i don't want to live like that yeah. i don't want to be exhausted all the time and and i think the thing is that we don't have to um it's i think it was tim ferris says that, that money's an amplifier and so whether you're poor or you're rich, your values aren't going to change. The money will just amplify. And I think that's really apt, but I think children are even bigger amplifiers. Mm. They come along and they push your buttons. Um, yeah. Oh, I've forgotten the author's name. The Conscious Parent is an incredible book, and she talks about children being here to teach parents the lessons they need to learn. Mm. Um, I'll include that in the show notes yeah. oh, so incredible. people can check it out. Yeah. It's, do you know what's so funny? Because when I found out I was pregnant, I was so lost and I've always just been really onto the next thing busy mm -hmm. busy busy hustling and like for all these different reasons I was just at this point where I felt so lost at a crossroads don't know what I want to do and found out I was pregnant and I thought this is perfect yeah. because so many people worry about losing their identity and losing themselves and I just thought I'm ready for that I'm so lost already yeah. this is fine this is the perfect so timing people who bringing a new person into your world, not just as a mother, but as a family, your relationship with Rami will fundamentally change. It mm. will never be the same again. You will fundamentally change. He will fundamentally change. Nothing is ever gonna be the same again. And that's actually pretty incredible. That yeah. moment they put Rafe into my arms and it was, this is normal now. And it didn't feel like he was in my tummy. He has now come out. It wasn't this very linear journey. It's like, mm. I've got this baby. Ben kind of connects when he kicks. I know what he's like in this capacity. And when they put him in my arms, it was a whole different thing. Yeah. I was like, this is normal now. This is us now. 
and watching him and Evie kind of develop and how they're going through phases of the ways and mm. levels to which they interact with each other, watching his personality starting to form, looking at how different she is to him. It's this whole process again. And the biggest thing that they've taught me is my need to play. And that's mm. a big non-negotiable non-negotiable for me now is there must be play. I show up better for myself and for everybody around me if I bring play and Rafe really reacts. If I won't play with him or if I won't find the fun, mm. he gets angry and he gets frustrated and he doesn't want to engage. And as soon as I get playful, if I treat misbehavior or silliness with humor, completely changes yeah. the way that he responds to it. It's it's an incredible process. That th that thing you said about how they come to teach you the lessons that you need to learn, I think I've seen it with my mum. Like I'm so close to my mum mm -hmm. and and I can see I can see how it how it unfolds. Yeah. And I just I cannot wait. Like it's so it's so incredible and it and it's also I feel so lucky as well that mm -hmm. that it's almost touch wood so far been relatively easy. Yeah. We thought, oh, well, let's start that trying. Let's see this right here. This touch wood. All it's, it's yeah, been. So what is that? Why, why do I feel? Why? And why do I also feel slightly guilty that you're okay? That I'm that not just that I'm okay, but when um, because now I'm immersing myself in you know mums to be mm -hmm. world, and I'm going to all these sort of events and gatherings, and you hear about people's different journeys, and you almost sort of little bit shy to be like well we we were going to try to get pregnant and and within a month mm. i was pregnant and, and i feel am i lucky so, and touch wood yeah. and so far everything's okay and it's and it, it, what are you waiting for when it's not exactly why why is that and this and i remember going the first time i went out with rafe he was 10 days old i drove there i went to one of the one of the many like mum yeah. and baby meetups there was a midwife there and a breastfeeding consultant and I sat down and the midwife walked in. She went, oh, look at you, how are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, no, we're good, first time out. She's like, oh, good for you. Then she came over and she's like, going like mum to mum, just checking in, because we, we all had very young babies. And because it was early September, it was, Dubai was still pretty dead. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of mums that had either been here for the summer on their own or they'd given birth and there wasn't a lot of people around. And so she was going mum to mum, how are you doing, how are you doing? She came up to me, she's like, and I just, I'd, Rafe, Rafe had woken up, was feeding him. She's like, how's the feeding? I'm like, oh yeah, great. He latched within five minutes, he's doing really well. She went, oh, good for you. And she's like, and what about the sleep? I'm like, yeah, sleeps well, we co-sleep, co-feed. And she's like, okay, shh, don't tell anyone. And then we go over to weigh in and she weighs him and she's like, oh, solid weight, really good, well done. I'm like, yeah, he's gained five, he didn't lose any weight at birth and he's gained 500 grams. Um, yeah. every week. So for the first month, Rafe didn't lose any weight and he gained 500 grams every week, which was huge. And she's like, oh, shh, don't tell anyone. And it was suddenly, I had to keep all these secrets about the fact that I'd had a natural birth, that I'd left the house on my own 10 days old, that my baby could feed the way he should and that my baby was gaining mm -hmm. weight. And the feedback that I got was, oh, shh, don't tell anyone. Because you might make the others feel yeah. less and of I'm a like, mother. So what, am, I, am I like, why are we making normal secret so that we don't upset somebody because now what you're telling mm. these women that maybe didn't have a great birth or that have struggled with something is that this whole process is a struggle and that the next baby you have is going to be a struggle because that's what we tend to hear and this is why all I'm the podcasts so, i listen yeah. to tend to be about especially around breastfeeding <sighs> about how hard it is i didn't know difficult. that breastfeeding was difficult i remember my mum breastfeeding 
I see people breastfeeding and I'm like, cool, well, you have a baby and then you breastfeed. I'd never met anyone that had struggled and maybe I'm naive, maybe I wasn't tuned in. And then suddenly my friends started having babies and were going in with nerves around breastfeeding and then lo and behold, they struggled. And, and it was like, I'm like, how much of this is reality and how much of this is the perpetuated belief system that you mm. have? Because I believed I could, I did, I've been prolific, I've donated a lot of milk to friends that have needed it. And it's never been an issue. Yeah. I've never had chapped nipples. Both of my children have latched well. I've, it's never been painful. And I, I get really frustrated and I, and I don't wanna take away from anyone that has struggled or belittle their experience. But I also should be allowed to talk about the success that I've had. I should be able to, to empower women that this is the normal way for things to happen. And yes, yeah. I'm the first one to say, be prepared. If there are risks, don't take unnecessary risks. But also you, you deserve and you are designed to have a natural and a connected, and I'm not gonna say easy, but you're not destined to have a torturous experience. Mm. That's not normal. And so any opportunity I get to talk about the birth that I had and the experience that I had, I'm so willing to share that because I don't take it for granted. And I'm grateful every day for being able to live my life as normal while mm. growing my babies, to be able to have the birth experience that I'd hoped for and to have enjoyed that experience, to have been able to feed my children the way that I wanted to. And I'm immensely grateful and it's normal. And you shouldn't have to feel like you have to apologize or that for it's the fact secret. that everything was yeah. smooth yes. and wonderful. Yeah. And I'm actually, my mom had two very straightforward, yeah. amazing natural births. My nana did, my grandma did. So in my sort of psyche growing up, we've never spoken about it in loads of detail until now I'm pregnant, I wanna know everything. Yeah. But it, I've it's been, I've been brought up with, you have a baby and it's, yeah. it's you know. Yeah. My mom always said, you just feel like you need to do a big poo, baby comes out. There's, there's never I haven't been brought up with that it's traumatic it's like I don't have that in me yeah. so I'm really conscious to only listen to positive birth stories only to watch positive birth story uh, birth videos whatever they may be they don't necessarily and to have, have to be awareness water birth or as well of like oh, and, and I found with Rafe the more I watched the more I'd watch TV shows and I'd be like that's not normal and then once I had mm. Rafe I'm like that's really not normal yeah because even when unless the environment has made you start to panic. When that baby is coming down, my conscious mind and my physical body disconnected or stretched that connection. I wasn't in my body freaking out. Like when I got out of the way and let my body take over, things progressed. So if you're in your body and you're screaming, you're not, you've, you've blocked, you've bypassed yeah. the natural, and it's a waste of energy as well. But that's where the hypnobirthing, I think, is so powerful. Yeah. And the amount of women that I know that have babies that have no idea what hypnobirthing is. Yeah. And of course, it's not for everyone. But I think, isn't it a shame that whether it's society or uh, things we see on TV, there's, I feel like women now just it is this trauma and there's going to be lots of screaming and I'm going to need drugs because it's going to be well, so painful. Because also we're second, third generation where mm. Europe and the UK are different, but a lot of other countries, 
a lot of people have been born to parents where, well, we didn't have medicine before, we now have medicine, yeah. this is a medicated process. So that that is the story in the psyche that they have. Yeah. And it's it's starting it it's re educating and and also we've lost that community. I've got some of my Emirati friends are like birth is natural it's what we're designed to do and culturally it's a very deep part of their culture but they also have really close-knit communities I've got a lot of Emirati friends who'd attended a birth before they were pregnant themselves mm. they'd seen their like and when you have that tribal communal mentality birth isn't this big scary thing you've got girls that you know 10 12 13 14 you will get married and you will have babies probably within the next 10 years yeah and it's a very natural organic evolutionary process well, it's the most natural thing in the it world is. isn't it and yet we're medicating and modernizing ourselves out of it mm. and i love that there's a resurgence back to natural but i love that but there's people still... like yourself that are open and willing to talk about it yeah. because i am looking for that content i want there's to hear about a straightforward lovely birth yeah. I, I i want that yeah. and there isn't you're right yeah. there really isn't a lot of it out there and i'll tell you it's intense and it's full-on and it feels overwhelming at points which is why you have an incredible environment around you but it's not traumatic mm. and it's not torturous and it's not any of these like screaming agonizing work it, it's not it's intense intense is the best way to describe it but then of course it's intense. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you're having bringing, a baby. <laughs> bringing a whole I new mean, person yeah. into the world. Okay, we're going to do a quick yes. fire round. I honestly could talk to you I know, all we're not going to stop otherwise. Day. Um, okay, quick fire round. Your one piece of advice for first-time mummies listening. Trust your intuition. So many people ask me, what are you worried about? The only thing I was worried about, not even worried, so I don't know what I don't know because everything else you know, so yeah. trust yourself. One thing you've learned about yourself after becoming a mum? I'm not a mumsy mum. I took a year off for Evie, a big part of why you know we sold our business and we chose to leave Dubai was because it wasn't right for our family. Mm. But having this year off, I needed it but I needed it to recover from the intensity. Not, I didn't need to have a year with Evie. It was wonderful, but I didn't need it. I need my work. I need, I want to be my children's superhero. And to do that, I need to express mm. myself through my work. I, I'm not built to dedicate myself to them. And I didn't think I was, but I didn't know. And that's something I really know now. Well, you certainly don't look like a mumsy mum. I can tell you that much. Um, what's one thing you wish someone had warned you about before you became a mum? You will need help. Um, I underestimated that with Rafe. He was able to slot into our business because we had our own business. And then the first six months, my dad came out four or five times and we were so overwhelmed. And the last time he was here he said to me Candace this baby I love you I love being here but this baby isn't going anywhere you need to get some help and Ray started nursery <laughs> this later. baby isn't going anywhere yeah. I love that um, so yeah that I wasn't prepared for favourite thing about being a mum right now and it changes constantly right now Evie comes into our bed between 1 and 5am because she's still feeding and she'll co-sleep the rest of the night 
And when she wakes up, she has a thing now, she sits on my belly. And Ben's been doing row, row, row your boat with her. And so now she loves it, so she grabs my hand and she does row, row, row your boat. And then we practice her words. Like, can you say daddy? Can you say mummy? Can you say Rafe? Um, and then some mornings Rafe will come in as well. And he's super boisterous and doesn't know his own strength and ends up kicking us all over the place. But when the pair of them will like lean in and cuddle. Like, right now that's, and I think it changes. It's mm. constantly evolving, but right now that's my favorite. It's, it's, the, it's the little moments. It's not nothing I have big. a lot of pictures of uh, there's only 15 months between me and my brother. Mm -hmm. And apparently I just loved him. I was obsessed with him. And I thought he was my baby. And there's so many pictures of me like kissing him and cuddling him. And oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. That makes me want to have another one like quite close together. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just it's so, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. What does motherhood mean to you in three words? Embrace the moment. Embrace the phase. Something there. Because mm. just as it's you're you're in the thick of it, and just as you're coming out, and you realise this is just a phase, you're into a new one. And so, for better or worse, embrace the phase. And and I think that can be applied to your pregnancy as well, mm. because I think I'm already yeah. catching myself, sort of. I can't wait for the next. Yeah, and it's like, just enjoy away. this moment because that we're not gonna get this time back. So I think, not even pregnancy, any, any stage of your life, but I think for me right now, that can yeah. really be applied now. That was what I was gonna say, actually. If you embrace the phase in every chapter of mm. your life, it's just gonna pull you into the little things. Um, go to the cinema now. When that baby we went arrived. last night. Yes. Keep doing it. People <laughs> advised me, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah whatever." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Embrace the phase. Yeah, I'm. I'm also enjoying being able to, you know, nap whenever I want and sleep in, and I am. I am genuinely enjoying those moments because I know that that will change, and you'll never have another pregnancy like this either. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I'm. I'm definitely going to take away from this today. Mm amongst quite a few other things that you've said that have just really made me think um, in a really amazing way. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. And the couple of things, the books that you've mentioned, the, the documentary, I'll tag mm -hmm. in the show notes cool. so people can, yeah. can find it. And they're nice little touch points. You yeah. start there and that world will start to open up as well. Yeah, but thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And... Um, yeah, let's see what the next uh, the next month has in yeah. store. <laughs> thank Embrace you. Embrace the face. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you once again to Candice for her time and refreshing honesty. You can find links to Candice's social pages and websites in the show notes below. If you'd like to find out who my guests will be on the next episode of Bumps and Babies, please do follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Life School ME The Podcast to help us reach and hopefully inspire more listeners. Thank you for listening to Life School, conversations to inspire action.